As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of Androids Dungeon. Harry Hall, Jack Runge, The Essentials. Nothing but the best. In the time it took during busy, busy work hours today. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. I am Jack, and I am joined by... Who are you? Hello, my name is Harry. <laughs> just just the two best hosts today. <laughs> well, just the two hosts. <laughs> <laughs> two people showed up. Uh, this is Android's Dungeon, a show about games, movies, music, whatever happened to Jack when he was walking into the studio today. Um, I want to give a quick shout out before we get going to friend of the show in London, England, or at least, well, not technically London, I guess. Where is the, I think it's Cambridge or Oxford. I'm going to say Cambridge. I can never remember what prestigious, fancy, hoity-toity school Karen goes to or went to. I'm going to pick... Cambridge, because it just sounds nice. <laughs> um, but Karen got to play Dune this weekend for the first time, and she has been very excited to play it because she is a dedicated listener. So been listening to us for a while, and finally got to play it six players. And oh, uh, perfect. And yeah, you got to do. Why would you do anything else at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Although anyway, uh, and had a great time as far as I know. And there was there were similar problems, sort of uh, I think that I've encountered in the past where. Uh, certain players were reluctant to break alliances, even though sure. that they probably should have, and it cost uh, cost Karen's partner Chloe the the win because out of misguided sense of loyalty, the Fremen stuck with the Atreides <laughs> when they should just bailed right. or something <laughs> along those lines. In in uh, in an alliance, there's always a a sneakier player who's yeah. more willing to betray. And it's not per- I I don't think I've ever felt it. Not that I played that much Dune, but I would not feel remotely disenfranchised if somebody bailed on Alliance because I've never felt like I was like I would I would have bailed on my, me if I was in that position. It's too. it's appropriate to the series. Yeah, but it's not like have you played how many times have you played Dune so far? Three times. Have you seen an Alliance break that you thought was whoa, that's a betrayal right there, or was it just like no, that's obvious? Like yeah, you're dead in the water. yeah, totally. I mean, look if you, if someone is gonna break an Alliance with you in any game, yeah. And leave you in a position where you lose. Yeah. Hey, you deserve it. Yeah. You shouldn't have left yourself so open. Absolutely. And it's uh, I, I think it's it's kind of rough. I feel like in a lot of these games you have to be you have to be up for it, but there has, there's some level of cutthroatness that has to occur. You know. Well, especially in Dune. Although now that I I'm thinking about it too, and I I really want to hit the point where Dune becomes a little more of a refined experience as far as, um, because it seems to me right now a lot of the combat boils down to sending just enough that you have one person left at the end of the fight that you just don't, didn't lose everything in that spot unless you were totally trying to nuke somebody out of the way. Right. And it, to me, it feels, the more I think about it, the more it feels a little sloppy compared to maybe some of the rest of I the I see, fighting. like it's all or nothing. Yeah, it's all or mm-hmm. nothing, and that kind of grinds on me a little bit. For but. sure. I, I think that'll change the more and more. 
I think th- almost all the fighting should be happening over spice. Yeah. And with spice, you care about how many units are left over. Absolutely. And it pays off, I- even if you think you're going to lose, to commit more units yeah. so that you can they will get less spice. So yeah. there's an interesting part to that, which we haven't really explored. And I also think, too, because Karen also pointed out something that, uh, and I, I'm not sure if we've been playing this properly, but the, the Emperor um, doesn't get to revive six units himself. He can only pay for his ally right. to get three extra revivals. Right. I'm unsure if we, because she definitely noticed that Joel meant said, uh, in the past the the wrong way. Now whether ah, okay. it's just a slip of the tongue or whatnot, right. but there's that caused me to dig into the emperor a bit more. And apparently the emperor is one of the most contentious characters in the in terms of rules. In terms of rules, because right. people are just freaking out. Like, what does this mean? The sharing of great <laughs> yeah. wealth. Because well, there's also there's so many house rules to yeah. do with the emperor as well. Like whether they get their money right away or whether they get their money afterwards. Absolutely. Right? I'm a big fan of the afterwards. I think that makes it forces you to plan a bit more and right. you can't just like okay, all of a sudden I'm flush with cash for this. You have to mm-hmm. think ahead a couple extra steps. But what did you, how have you played it? So. I've played both. I mean, we played together, and we played it so that the Emperor only gets the money at the end of the bidding round. Yeah. Um, but we, I've also played it uh, the other way, so that the Emperor gets the money immediately. And, man, it's cutthroat. It is. Uh, yeah. If you play it that way, so the Emperor gets the money immediately, and um, you play it, I think we played it incorrectly the first time, um, you can bid multiple times and win multiple cards. Oh, it's so hard as the Fremen particularly to get any cards. Yeah. Because... As the Fremen, you lose the first one, and if the Emperor didn't win it, they just got more money. Yeah. And, and now they're, they're just going to win everyone. <laughs> exactly. And it's even crazier, too, because I think this is the real power of the Emperor. And the game, I think the the rules, how, how long have we, how many times I've complained about the rules? How Why could they have not just sat down, and it may have pissed off some people, but you could have at least had clarity. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just clean up the rules and be very clear on when you can and cannot. But the sharing of great wealth line... If they had just said, look, you don't get any real special powers except for the three extra revivals for your ally, but you're loaded. And right. if you're playing in the advance, which should be normal version, that is incredible because it, the last time we played, I couldn't, I could not get in fights because I had no spice and it was right. worthless. Yes. Versus completely. the emperor would just like, well, I guess I'll power up on my troops for and sure, 30 for bucks sure. left. And like in this game, I don't know if they stress enough in the rule books, like. You can make any kind of agreement. You can yes. give people spice to do anything. Yes, like, and that's something else. That why would you? Why do you put it as under? Like you need to. You can only bribe. That's ridiculous. Why the 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 linguistic jumping that sure. they do doesn't make any sense to me, and it just cl- muddies the the water with the rules. Yeah, definitely. Even though when you're in alliance, you're not technically allowed to bribe your ally. Yeah, it's a weird it's a weird distinction that they make between allied and non-allied players. Yeah. But you should just do it. Yeah. It's more fun for sure, and I and I love the emphasis it puts on spice in the for every player. Yeah. Because really the game, I think is is the coolest when everyone is just starved for spice mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll do anything for that spice. That's you know? it. When one player and that's all right. If one player sort of has it. Like you expect the spacing guild to maybe have some. Right. And right. maybe just big moves and like they're either prolonging the game or if they've got an ally, they're right. helping them really go for a win. For but. sure. Anyway, we've thank you, Karen, for updating me on your game, and I'm very happy to hear in the future how uh, future games of Dune go. Uh, the last thing I'll point out is that she said that she had fun playing the games, and when she left or when she finished them, uh, wasn't uh, I think that I'm trying to remember the line exactly, but it was unsatisfied, not in the way of like feeling deprived, but more I want more from this. Oh, I yeah. want so that's why the second day they played another game. Five players. Oh, well, nice. Oh, and great. that one, I guess, was a little cool. more cutthroat and uh, played properly. But nice. lots of... I'm liking when I see the Atreides player playing like a Ferengi and just like for hustling sure. and selling information like crazy. Yeah, that is cool. Fun. 
Anyway, uh, Android Dungeon, check us out online at CFRU.ca or the Instagram. Insta. I can't believe people shortened Instagram. Uh, the gram. The gram? You can also say the gram. <laughs> Does anyone say the gram? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh, geez. Uh, the, the gram at uh, uh, 80 Radio CFRU. And uh, you can check it, shoot me an email or a threat or whatever at uh, droiddungeonradio at uh, gmail.com. Or is it CFRU? I don't know. Either way, you, you can find something. Big deal. <clears throat> anyway, uh, we're going to do a quick uh, rundown of what we've been playing recently because we've got a big show here in the sense of we actually prepped before the show, which is unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I didn't mean that. I mean, it's uh, uh, things are printed. That's unusual. <laughs> yes. Um, Show notes. Show notes. So, Harry, what have you been playing recently? Uh, well, I mean, we'll get to it a little bit. I- I'm unhappy to report that I lost my first game of Twilight Struggle. Oh. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been maybe six or seven games now, and my opponent's so the kind of guy. Now. You're finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He- he's the kind of guy where uh, he slowly gets better and better as Uh-oh. he gets the hang of the game. I'm concerned. I, I don't know if I'm going to win again. <laughs> what was the Let's moment? Let's move on to what something happens? else. We, uh, he, pl- he had a sequence of plays. So Twilight Struggle, we'll get to it eventually. There's yeah. just you play cards that that do actions, and he he like pulled out this <clears throat> sequence of plays where like one card um, lowered the ops values of my cards, and then he played another one that said either I had to discard a three op or higher card, or I lost all my influence in West Germany, which Cold War game very important. Yeah. And the combo of the cards like I just like couldn't beat it, and through it I just like lost all my influence in West Germany, and then I lost a battleground in Europe, and oh it was a uh, he he had the sequencing and I looked at it and I'm like, oh damn! What a beautiful combo! Yeah, that's that's great. Were you US or USSR? I was playing the US. And uh, the game has some balancing mechanics to make the US a little bit stronger, which we haven't introduced yet. But now that I've lost once, yeah, now it's like <laughs> shoot him in fast. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you find it was even though? And it's it's still very even. Because I was I was actually this sounds really nerdy. I was actually haunted by your comments the other day about Twilight Struggle and the the fifty three percent. Yeah, it's so close to parody that it's like. Do we really need to house rule any kind of balancing? And that's mechanic? what I'm, and I was thinking about it later. And what was getting me was that that's that's high level play, correct? Is that like that's tournament, tournament result? play? Yeah. So that's people playing hyper optimally. And sure, fifty three percent. That's a any sort of discrepancy, I suppose, is enough to say someone has an edge. For sure, either For sure. fairly or unfairly. But at amateur level, I, I yeah. maybe when we get to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's so much variance in this game, and like. A lot of randomness. There's a lot of randomness, and at an amateur level, you're make, still making mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes in this game. Eh, it just doesn't matter. Like yeah. we, we can kind of move past any balancing thing and just be concerned about just having keep, fun and yeah, doing well in the game. Play well. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, that is mostly it. Oh, it's pretty. Good. Yeah, yeah. Quiet we, uh, for you. Pretty quiet. We were playing uh, Spirit Island for a while, but we haven't revisited that. Uh, uh, unfortunately, our, our board gaming friends are. are looking for a house and as i'm sure you know that uh <laughs> takes up all of their time when do they get a dog and... <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. they already have a dog and a cat oh yep is their dog well behaved uh actually extremely so oh, how old is it yeah uh she is i think 13 <gasps> 13 year old husky and she is like amazing that's probably the primo age for a husky because it yeah. just wants to lie around and you just take it outside yeah and, exactly you know. it's perfect isn't it sad that i want a 13 year old dog it's just, <laughs> no i'm I just want to fast forward to him not destroying things and chasing the cats that's oh all, yeah that's all sure. jack wants yep and maybe not urinating in the house yeah though, maybe in two years don't say that harry <laughs> please all right what about you uh i had a busy gaming weekend because it was family day and nothing says family like uh playing lots of board games sort of uh played three games of second chance 
Have we played that with you? No, I've never played it. It's the uh, patchwork roll and write, basically. <clears throat> so you've got a, a stack of paper. It's all on grid. And everyone starts off with a central card that's in some weird polyominal shape. Okay. And you have to put it so that at least one block covers the central square in your pad of paper. And then after that, you flip over two cards, and they have different shapes on them, and you pick one of them, and you, and draw you have to draw it. them in. Yeah, and okay. then you keep going until you can no longer do it, and then you get your second chance. And you flip <laughs> over one more, and if you can do that one, you can serve, you keep going. Cool. And typically, it's kind of a dumb gimmick because usually at that point, if you can't do your second chance, nothing's going to save you. Yeah, you flip the next one. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're done. Unless you, I don't know, maybe you've done some crazy pattern and you're planning this out, but... I think it's a tremendous game. Everyone seems to have fun when we play it. It's super cool. light, super filler. Uh, it is funny, though. Kayla managed to partially destroy our table upstairs because we're using these uh, Bic pens. Okay, which and you're should... just, like, writing with force? With some force. Cause you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. You're, and you're, I like to draw patterns on my shapes, make kind okay, of pretty okay. looking and stuff. And Kayla's kind of just, she's shading it. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you're trying to carve in, like, something in a desk in school. And right, it's not that right, bad. Right. But yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So Second Chance, highly recommended if you're looking for something light and you like patchwork because... Um, it it seems to get pulled out constantly in terms of like okay, you know, just sitting and having chatting, you know, right. warming up. That's really you cool. Go. Just yeah, have yeah. a cute little game. I'm so. really attracted to those games where you have a big pad of paper and and you kind of just like write on them. Like there's one that came out uh, last year to do with uh, you drew train routes, I think, and it had a red and a blue version. Yeah, we've got those. Uh, um, Railroad Inc. Railroad Inc. Yeah, Railroad Inc. It's, uh, it's not even paper. It's like you have a... Oh, you have um, like a razor board, right? Yeah, a razor yeah, board. Yeah. I, I just really like that. That one's uh, a brain burner. That is a really tough like that role. style of They're super... Well, we game, were playing... Uh, we played Welcome 2 again recently, and we also we played them back-to-back again. Oh, wow. It was so fun. It's a great <laughs> yeah. game. I, I feel like I should almost just keep them upstairs because they're just <laughs> yeah, so yeah. accessible and cute. For and sure. Really fun I'm to ready play. Ready to go anytime. Um, then, well, this, this is out of order, uh, and then uh, Sam and Joel came over, and we played uh, Harry's favorite series, Pandemic Legacy. Oh, no. And we played three games of it. We won the first one, uh, lost the second one, and won the third one. And the only problem was, and this is, we had a, bla- spoiler alert, we had a great time, <laughs> but the only problem was that when we wanted to get going, uh, something happened to us that had happened to Joel when he played Risk Legacy, and that whatever manufacturing process happened, they had put one event... Uh, too early and our event too late so we had to flip through the decks and look for it and we didn't oh. know it would been mixed up because we were yeah, looking and we were right. looking online like no it's supposed to be here it's supposed to be here but we were all afraid to go through the decks too much right because you don't want to go too far yeah, yeah. exactly oh, so interesting. bit of a headache took us about a half hour I think probably just sort it all out right. once we got going everything was great had tons of fun the story is so much fun the the mechanics just get better and better and there's a sense of evolution and there was something that happened in the first game we kind of went oh oh no oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kinda, totally it's to- so much fun outstanding i think you would even though you don't like pandemic i think you'd like pandemic legacy i think your group would get a kick i out think of so it. too we've, we've actually thought about playing it before too it's not that i don't like pandemic i just don't love pandemic yeah um but the, the legacy aspect is really cool i this is i've played a couple of legacy games and this is, without a doubt, the best of the bunch so far. So is this a continuation of a current legacy? You, But no, because you mentioned the cards, right? So this is a new... I don't understand. Like, because uh, it's a legacy. In Pandemic Legacy, you play uh, 12 months? Yeah, 12 is months. Is that right? So yeah. are you are you partway through it, or was this like starting with January? No, no, no. This was... Oh, Lord. I think we only have uh, three or two months left. Okay, so, so this, this is, is the game the that... End. I think I remember you playing this game... It's two taken years us ago or two something? years to get <laughs> yeah, through this. Yeah, okay. Well, last, the funny thing is, last time we played this, um, 
I, my appendix burst that night. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's, I, I was getting a little worried because uh, my throat was getting sore while we were playing. Oh, it starts sweating. Uh oh. Pre call the ambulance. Kung, Kung flu got me on this one. <laughs> anyway, pandemic legacy, outstanding. Um, then I got the learning game, Yamatai which I posted about in the Guelph game, uh, board gaming group. Bruno Cathala is the co-designer on this. It's a Days of Wonder game. Not sure if it's in print or not right now. It's been described as Reverse Five Tribes, Japanese mythological-themed right. game. You're sending boats out, and they're multicolored, and they represent different qualities of boats, and you're trying to encircle islands, and you build buildings on them. The thing is, you don't own these boats. Anyone can use them. So it's similar to a Martin Wallace-esque game where you're putting down resources that anyone can use. So if you're a dummy and put out stuff... Or open things up, your opponents just look at you and laugh, and then just thanks for the boat, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they build up stuff. You can buy gods, the uh, or assistants as they call them. You know, they're all named after Japanese deities, whatever. Um, the really cool part about this is not only is it very brain burning in the sense of where you're trying to think about moves ahead and where you want to put these boats, and you're looking at Kayla and hoping she doesn't use your boats before you can, mm-hmm. but the turn um, selection is incredible. And what you do is there are a series of tiles, similar kind of cyclades that you're not going to have all of them available at the same time. And they're a bunch up, and you take them, and whatever tile you take gives you a bonus. And you get ships on it and maybe a bonus action to it, but there's also a number on it. So the better action is going to make you go later, uh, and the weaker cool. action is going to make you go earlier. So you're trying to balance, boy, I sure do need those boats, but that's going to put me last. And there's no point to me getting those boats if I'm going to be last, because that means if I put them down, Kel's going to get the Yeah, there. yeah. You that's really cool. really think about it. And there are rules how you can put your placement, and there are ways to play around it and mix it up. Tremendous game, adorable. The, the game board looks great at the end of it, too. It's one of those things that you're looking at going, boy, what a pretty game. Yeah, I saw the photos of it. looks really cool. Although I was a little concerned that uh, this game, it's like, I guess, supposed to be set in ancient Japan. I guess. But this could easily be like 1920s Imperial Japan. <laughs> You gotta gotta conquer Southeast uh, like Asian seas, eyeing up uh, Korea and China. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, there's very little uh, imperialistic ambition. In yeah, this for game, sure. A little cuter than that. A little it cuter. maybe more uh, family friendly. I, I slightly more. Anyway, great game. And the last thing I'll say is I got to play a game of Container with Mark, a friend of the show, Mark, and uh, his girlfriend, and. Um, initially container even as simple as it is you put it out and you get a little worried about people because it's like they can they're it's fairly front load in the sense of there are a couple of weird mechanics and you're doing your best to explain it and you get a little you start to sweat a bit when you can yeah. see eyes darting <laughs> yeah, around yeah, yep. but it takes after a turn or two everyone just picks it up and all of a sudden you see the pricing wars start and you see the ruthless bidding and it is a game that continuously impresses me every time i get it out I think it's only flopped once out of all the times. And it's, nice. it's kind of like my go-to medium-heavy Euro because it's it's fairly simple, but it's got a lot of decision space. It's got a lot of interaction, yeah. which uh, which is not always true for a lot of these uh, kind of Euro-style games. Exactly. So. So, uh, you don't want to pull out a game and you're just sitting there staring at your board and just kind of like chatting when it's not your turn. For sure. Just, oh, yeah. Anyway. Totally. So that was the list of that stuff there. Um, so let's take a quick musical break before we get into this, and we will be back with Harry and Jack's jx essential game list at least determined by us stay tuned
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard were, was, were, were two tracks by the uh, renowned artist Grandma's Cottage. <laughs> A true classic. True classic. Uh, the first track was Snickerdoodle, and the second one was Ginger Snaps. Oh, are they, are they all, all the tracks named that way? Yeah. Oh, that's really all cute. Something, and it's part of a genre of music that I'm falling in love with recently called Comfy Synth. Oh. <laughs> it also sounds absolutely terrible in terms of compression, and I'm not sure if that's on purpose or not. It, this could be an artist that's been around for a long time or some, like, deliberately. It sounds like it was recorded um, back in the early days of the internet when bandwidth was an issue, and you could only like have uh, files yeah. that were, I don't know, 32 kilobits a second. <laughs> Just rough. Like, anyway. Uh, absolutely cozy and something about those tracks I think may just be the art on the album that kind of sells me too like the name is fine but the art Mm -hmm. just like this kind of like vaguely uh, oil pastel-y colored cottage with snow on it and smoke coming in the chimney it's it's really nice reminds me of like wholesome memes and a lot of these other kind of internet movements it is like a lot of music you know wholesome uh, wholesome activities and it pushed me down a little rabbit hole of this there's a uh, guy doing comfy synth albums of uh, based around little mouse and then there's another one called mom and dad it's just about Aww. titles like tracks like dinner time and dad reading the paper <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> this is where we're at yeah this is like neo-existentialism uh, anyway uh games you've probably got a couple i've got a couple sure do are they all essential no are they all good? Absolutely. Every one oh, of them. Yes. No, no flops. Not one. It's difficult, and I've thought about this a few times. If you're starting a collection, what games would you consider to be essential? It changes from person to person. Our list here, our lists are not going to be for somebody who is brand new to the hobby. These aren't for them. I think the criteria we've got here, or at least our uh, arbitrary um, sort of rules, <laughs> games we think everyone should play at least once. Pretty simple. Not necessarily entry-level games. Suppose a board game lover was struck by amnesia. What games would we introduce them to? Definitely not turning into top games of all time list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think this is a good list for people to, <clears throat> for people who have played board games, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, do you want to expand? Move. Yeah, exactly. And, and if you've probably played, you know, some of these, half mm-hmm. of these already, but the ones you haven't played, check them out. And that's what we're saying here. And we're even, we've got runner-ups, too, because maybe you've touched those or maybe you know those games and you can say, well, I kind of like that or I hated that game. These guys are wrong, which you're wrong, buddy. <laughs> Heads up. <laughs> so we've kind of tried to break them down into uh, kind of borderline random sort of categories, but they're, I feel like they more or less join into kind of the, the general types of games. For sure, like genres or yeah, like yeah. Mechanic, and, mechanic groups. Yeah, exactly. So something like deck building or right. uh, war games. So I'm going to let Harry get going with his list because uh, his is his is more explicitly organized. It gives me a second to look <laughs> up what he's talking about. So. Yeah, I mean, speaking of deck building, uh, I guess the first one I wanted to mention, mm-hmm. which we both agreed on, we both had on our lists, Dominion. Yeah. Uh, this is not a new game. I, I don't even know when it was published. I want to say like 98 or something crazy. Yeah. I'm going to look it up too. And then they've, yeah, they've released uh, an expansion to Dominion probably like every every year or two since then. So this game has a ridiculous amount of content in addition to just the base game. And if you go out and buy it today, uh, I don't I don't know if it's possible to buy the base game, but you shouldn't. You should go you out and buy like buy the base game. There's there's uh, multi packs I think where they sell the base game plus a couple expansions, um, and I think those are worth taking a look at. Oh no, it's, well it says 2010. God, really? That's crazy. I, for some reason, I thought it was way older. It than feels 2010. like it's been around forever. There's no way 2010. Anyway, sorry. This this was like this was the first deck building game I ever played. 
Um, and honestly, I think it's still the de- 2008. Best 2008. Game. Okay, 2008. Sounds better. <laughs> so it, it's been around for 12 years, and yeah. I think it's still like the classic and kind of the greatest pure deck building game. And when Harry says pure deck building, what we mean is that a lot of deck building games, and even some that I'm fond of, kind of like uh, runner-ups here, like uh, I, I have Valley of the Kings as my runner-up. I'm not sure. Yeah, what me you too. Have yeah. yeah, me too. So a lot of games try to, quote-unquote, fix deck building because um, they don't like, for some unknown reason, maybe it's because they played so much Dominion possibly or it's it's just too dry. But the way Dominion has it is all the cards you can buy are right there staring you in the face and if you have the gold in your hand you can purchase that card and add it to your deck that's it a lot of other games have this thing called the market row where you shuffle up all these cards and they appear randomly and that's what you get and if you can't afford it tough luck for sure they either sit there or they go away valley of the kings crumbles pyramids and i think do you discard a card if nobody buys anything i think so no. does it just stay there i think they just stay there yeah oh, okay anyway so the purity from Dominion is that you know exactly what your strategy can be going into it. You can look at all these cards, you can see synergies, but you have to be, uh, you have to adapt and you have to see what your opponent's doing. And if they're starting to counter you in some way or they're going heavy on attacks, you've got to get some defense. And maybe they're just, your shuffles just aren't coming up right either. Mm-hmm. So. But it's but it's all there and it's all the kind of randomness you have to deal with is what your opponent is doing and what cards you have drawn out of your deck that turn. So it's like essential. Just just the basics of deck building. And yeah. it's just so well executed. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. Dry as hell. You are not going to make... The theme is so boring. <laughs> it's 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 borderline abstract. It's, yeah. And there's so many sets, like Harry was saying. So it can be daunting to get into. Mm, I think what I've heard is that you get the base game and then Nocturne. And that should last you for a really long time. And then as you like or dislike things, you can mm-hmm. just start to... And that's it. You can choose every... If you don't like this... Whoosh, Throw it away and never have yeah. to touch it again. You pick and choose which ones you because want to Because the game came out in 2008 and the base rules are so simple, it's mm. like pick and choose which combination of cards you feel like playing with. Yeah. And it's, it's so flexible. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. So that's our deck building pick. Uh, Dominion. I guess quick word about runner-ups. I have, I have Star Realms slash Hero Realms. It's the same game. <clears throat> I like Dominion better. Those games I, I would have as runner-ups just because they're so light and portable. And mm-hmm. they have good theme. Star Realms is very popular, I think, because of the app right now. The, uh, yes, yeah, it also has a really good digital app. And Ascension, I've heard, playing in person, I guess, is miserable, but the application is one of these things that just streamlines some of the uh, frustrating aspects of it. Right, just, yeah. Like, you can, oh, yeah, I played 200 games of Ascension. A lot of the maintenance it. aspects of it, which are frustrating. You can, and also, heads up, you can also play Dominion for free online, uh, officially, if you search Dominion online, there you can play the base game at your leisure online, which is fantastic. All the expansion is going to cost you, and it's a recurring subscription, which bugged me, or else I would have paid for it by now. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. all right, what's next, Harry? Uh, next one I had kind of like a in a, in a broader uh, category of kind of area control games. So these are the, all the ones that I had are kind of hex based games where you move units around a map. Um, my game for this in this kind of broad category was Innis, okay. um, which I just adore. It's kind of perfectly con- constructed. And you had a similar game uh, in this category, right? Yeah, well, do your Innis thing first, and I'll get in on this. So I guess Innis, is, uh, Innis. <laughs> Innis also has some card drafting yeah. uh, aspect to it, and I love the card drafting about this game, actually, because there are a very limited number of cards. You should play Innis with four players, and every and there are only 16 cards in the game, so everyone will get four cards. And it's so tight because there's only four cards that you will draft. The four cards interact really well with each other. And so you every turn, you draft four cards and you build like a, a strategy for that turn. It's kind of almost like a, a programming aspect because these four oh, yeah, cards sure. are going to be what you're doing this turn. 
and you you know you got to play them right and in what way you play them is going That's to... a really interesting way to think about it and and when you draft the cards you you draft a card and then you get past more cards but so then you, you have the option again. of throwing it away and taking yeah. two other ones and so that gets in this really brain burning aspect of it too where it's like keeping track of what you're so if you're seeing sure. things or you're kind of throwing cards away it's like well I held on to this and I passed it to them hold on it made its way all the way back to me maybe it's better for me to hold on since I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Go um, ahead. So yeah, I, I like that part of it, and and then and then just in general as an area control game, you add these beautiful tiles to the map. One of the Gorgeous. cards adds more tiles to yeah. it, um, and each of the tiles you add generates a card that is an action to your hand, which then you can play in addition to yeah. the cards you drafted. And, uh, and there are these epic tale or not epic? Uh, the wow, what are heroic they deeds? Heroic I think? deeds? What the red cards? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, th- I think they're heroic deeds, and they generate epic tales. Maybe. All right, there's something. I'm not sure. There, I'm there, not sure. there yeah, are yeah. special cards that you can get from doing certain things or conquering a territory, and these are very. It's kind of like a, a key that will fit only one lock. So it's not like just oh I got this one card I win mm-hmm. the game. It's no this is perfect for this exact. This is like a specific thing, but yeah. they're very like epic. They're very like Arthurian kind yeah. of like big uh, kind of splashy targeted effects. And if you haven't picked up on it already, the theme is basically a bunch of clans and some sort of uh, psychedelic uh, Scottish Highlands yeah. uh, adjacent world fighting for supremacy of the area. And there are a couple of ways to win the game, but it's not a war game. It's not. It, it looks like a dude's on a map, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be doing. I don't. There's think... There's very little kind of like token or, or yeah. tribe conflict. And it's it's a neat game, and it's gorgeous too. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, like Harry was saying, uh, my dudes on the map uh, type of game was Cyclades, and this was I, I put this on the list, even though there. Are, I haven't played in a long time, but I still really like it as far as uh, an essential game for kind of a a Euro-y uh, dudes on a map war game experience. It's pretty. There are some neat decisions to be made, and it's from designer Bruno Cathala, who I mentioned before with uh, Yamatai. Um, you, it takes place in ancient Greece, and every round what you're doing is you're getting income, and you're spending that income to gain the favor of the gods, and each god kind of lets you do certain actions. So obviously Poseidon lets you do ocean-based actions, and Ares lets you do war actions, and Zeus does stuff with the other gods. Athena is useless, but helps you move, <laughs> mar- like march towards victory, kind of like in uh, Innis, how you can get the uh, the little harp token, which is yep. basically a victory point or permanent. Yeah, VP. it counts out one out of six of your victory. One out of six. So it's one of these like, oh, setting a timer, except in Cyclades. Yeah. I can take that from you. <laughs> um, it's a very neat little game. There's, It's very mean, and it's very easy to start taking things personally because it's very easy to gang up on somebody, which is what you should be doing if somebody looks like they're going to win. Um, the only thing that I have here in my notes is that as much as I like it, it can be tough to teach people, and it doesn't feel fair because similar to Twilight Struggle, there's a big deck of cards, and there are monsters there, and each monster does something very special and unique, kind of similar to the Epic Deeds cards or whatever they're called in uh, Innis. And if you know... Uh, what's coming, you can build your strategy around it and kind of think about it. And even, I, I don't know if you can go fishing. Yeah, there's one card that lets you fish for them. Uh, and you can really kind of push a newbie over and it can feel kind of like, oh, I can't believe you did that. That's, I don't want to play this game again. For sure. uh, still a tremendous game and there are plenty of expansions for it as well, which really flesh it out into something really, really whole. So Cyclades is my uh, dudes on a map, area control slash auctions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap. I've been doing some reading about games as a little aside, uh, mm-hmm. and we're talking about games both old and new, 
And a lot of the games on my list are new, partially because of recency bias, but yeah. also because I think there's a lot of games that have taken proven mechanics and yes. combined them in really interesting ways. Yep. Um, and, and they tend to be fairly recent. So. Yeah. I think it's because we're seeing more and more designers that, at least in our, I'd say are more, um, I don't want to say boutique, but are maybe are more refined circles where it's not just chasing <laughs> the Kickstarter minis uh, craze where right. it's like, it's another area control dudes on a map game. It's like, okay, that's fine. It's very pretty. But something more where it's like, this guy has obviously immersed himself in this right. world. And, and they're he's... building a really interesting experience. Yeah. They're designing a really interesting yeah. experience for sure. All right, what's hey, next? It's a good segue into, I had a list of... Uh, well, I guess we should mention, uh, sorry, honorable mentions, just real quick. I had Blood Rage, which is very similar to Innis. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Extremely similar. Um, it's just Viking, kind of more of like Viking themed, and there's a little more conflict. So if you like that. Uh, and I had Kemet for, for mine, which is ancient Egyptian themed, and it's pure yes. murder, death, kill. You get you get victory points for winning fights. Right. So we, just we, didn't, go. we didn't pick them because we are a little more refined. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough <laughs> for me. I was this close to putting Kemet down. It's just, it's, it's such a difficult, because it's got that giant tech tree, basically. It's like. You put all these tiles, and you have to hand somebody a piece of paper, and t- like yes, this is right. what this does. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do this, do that. Do this. Please read this information, to yeah. you, please. I haven't played Blood Rage though. I've heard a lot of people love it. Yes, it. I mean, it's really highly rated, and I think it's a really good game because that there's something really visceral and popularly attractive about like Vikings on an island just yeah. like smashing Murdering each, each other, other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fun. Um, so I guess good segue. I had in in this next category, my pick is Twilight Struggle, mm-hmm. um, for kind of more like asymmetric. Um, in this case, a zero-sum war game where it's really just like focused on <clears> combat. <throat> and Twilight Struggle is the best example because it's two-player. Yeah, it's literally a zero-sum game because your scoring track is a single scoring track between the two players, and it moves back and forth. Yeah, the seesawing action. Yeah. Uh, I also spoiler have Twilight Struggle on mine, and I I'm not good at this game. I don't play it that often, but it is. I think it is something that once you play it, it opens up this world to you of. Oh wow! This is kind of cool. Amazing. What's going it's so on here. cool. Yeah, I would only really <clears throat> recommend it if you have two players, and particularly if you have a second player, or maybe a group of players who will play it frequently with each other. It it really pays to learn this game with someone else who is kind of yeah. also into kind of this hobby alongside of you, um, because it it's it's rewards repeated plays. It definitely rewards repeated plays. Uh, what were your runner ups? Runner ups for this, uh, I had root. We still play a lot of Root, actually. Crazy amount. Sorry, interrupt. Did you have you played the new expansion? Uh, I the have Underworld. played. No, I've not played. Well, actually, that's a lie. <laughs> I played a playtesting version of the Underworld at Gen Con last oh, really? year, uh, which was really interesting. Like I played through the the crows, <clears throat> um, and I was definitely interested. The by Corvids. It. Uh, I haven't gotten it yet because the core Root game. There's also an expansion with otters and with lizard folk. Yeah. The core game, the four factions, are so kind of like tightly constructed. And the interactions between them are so good that I would even advocate not to get the first expansion, let alone the second one. Yeah. And then if you did get an expansion, I would maybe just get the second one and skip the otters and the river folk. It's so funny. Like a lot of people love the otters and say that they're the favorite ones. Nobody talks about the lizards. <laughs> yes. in like, I... I'm I'm kind of the opposite. I like the lizards and the way they play, but they're a little bit underpowered. Yeah. And then the otters, um, there's too much that people can do to kind of just derail your strategy, which is I've only played for with sure. them once. Frustrating. Uh, but I have really good. I've heard good things about the underworld expansion. The yeah. moles and the uh, they're the, they're really good um, for sure. Crows and you get a new board too, which whatever. Yes. Who yeah. Knows? yeah. Um, so my yeah, I had Twilight Struggle on mine. Uh, what I had written is a uh, steep learning curve due to fat stacks of cards. And my runner-ups were, the obvious one is I've just played it recently, Watergate. If you are into, if you like the idea of Twilight Struggle, but you're like, boy, I don't have time for that. 
and you just want to try a shorter, smaller game, try Watergate. It's virtually the same thing, except hyper-condensed and arguably not as refined. Uh, I, I miss the shared decks. I think that's what really makes Twilight Struggle really interesting, because you have to make tough choices with For events sure. and ops. Um, and unfortunately, Watergate removes that decision. I don't know why. And then my other runner-up was Sekigahara, which is, for me, that is the the pure war game of you have blocks, you're fighting over Japan, and you're moving these blocks around, and your opponent doesn't know what those on those blocks until it's time for a battle, right. and you're playing cards, and there's even traitors as well. You can cause somebody to, ah, <laughs> got you, and they, they've turned tail. Tremendous game, very nice, or very pretty and very elegant, which is mm-hmm. the word that gets thrown around a lot, but how else do you describe a game with low rules and tons of decisions? For sure. All right. I have I have a next category I, I have here. I have kind of some classic, not just Euro, but like worker placement Euros. Okay. And so my pick for this was, and I don't know if this is going to be controversial, but I picked Agricola and Caverna mm-hmm. because I think they're pretty similar and I think they appeal to different players. But it's they're perfectly like, like, fair. They're like so close to yeah. each other. Well, it's kind of like, what do you want? Does the theme of dwarves going on exhibition... Ex- expeditions appeal to you for sure or does the theme of subsistence farming <laughs> exactly or do you like yeah do you do you like the idea of kind of struggling towards a a, <clears throat> a a common objective or do you like the idea of like specializing in like a very niche yeah. role which would then be a greek land cover respectively yeah yeah we we went through this a lot of back we did yeah, we yeah, did yeah the show here but uh they're they're classics for a reason and they usually show up on all these top lists because sure. I don't know whether it's because people play them first or if they turn the genre on their head or they kind of in, reinvented the modern Euro in this like tight gaming space where you, you can do a lot of things, but you got to get good or else you're going to struggle or fail. I'm not sure, but everyone loves them. Totally. And people keep coming back to them. I mean, yeah. they're not, they're not just, um, they're not like games that introduced people to the genre a while ago. They're still incredibly popular. It's tough though. Cause I'm thinking, I don't know if I could dump, caverna on the average person that it'd be tough to teach i think your eyes would explode or brains would explode if it's definitely the... difficult and, and caverna in agricola too yeah in a way they're they're very difficult um i like caverna because they they give kind of like a learning yeah uh you have the, the basic the and then game. you can yeah. do the advanced but um speaking of games that are hard to teach for this category mm-hmm. uh you had a very similar one well, which one? <laughs> Feast for Odin. See, that's oh, I played so many times. I can't. I don't think it's that difficult to teach. <laughs> I, I legitimately do not think it's uh-huh. that difficult because, and that's one of the things I was watching. Caught up on the Dice Tower top one hundreds that they do because I always find those interesting. Mm-hmm. And they kept joking about Feast for Odin being so heavy and confusing because they're like eighty eight action space and so it's not. There are only a couple, and they just get better as you go right, up the line. It's right. not that complicated. It's so anyway. Feast for Odin's my pick for the. What did I have this under? Like a worker, worker placement. placement action selection um, it is, in my opinion, the the ultimate heavy euro out there at the moment. You can do anything you want. Uh, doing well at it is not always a guaranteed uh, guarantee. And it's a secret engine builder game that you, if you play it without think understanding this, you're not going to win the game because and things look scary from the get go because you see all the empty spaces and you see these islands. Like, how am I going to do this? But once you, and I'm not good at this game, by the way, but once you get <laughs> mediocre at the game, you begin to understand You begin to understand it and you really appreciate it. And that's when you start reading these stories or these playthroughs from people online and think, oh, that sounds really good. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I love Feast for Odin nice. and that's my work. I think I, I definitely agree with everything you say about Feast uh, for Odin, but I am still a little bit in that Dice Tower camp of, 
I think I, I would like to play this game, uh, possibly over Agricola and Caverna, but I wouldn't necessarily wish it upon anyone. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, if you haven't played any of these worker placement style games, maybe, like, play Agricola, and if you like it, yeah, yeah, go ahead and, and try it, thing, I don't even know if I could say, like, do you like Agricola? Okay, here's Feast for Odin. For me, it's almost its own game, because it, it's so different from uh, Agricola in the sense of... It's true. It has very different objectives, yeah. I guess. Like, mechanically, generally, it's... Well, even then, like... Other than the action spaces, yeah. it, it is very different. And you're you're being given workers every time. That you're given food every other round. So it's not mm-hmm. like you really. If you are failing feeding people, something has gone so horribly <laughs> wrong in <laughs> yeah. your game that Uve cannot help you. Yeah, Odin just gives you food and you still starve. Yeah. I also had, and uh, Carcassonne I had under here too, just because there's a significant tile placement element to Feast for Odin, and that's uh, I love Carcassonne. I, if you put Carcassonne on the table, I'm more than happy to play it today. Be choosy with your expansions because there's so many, and for I don't sure. want to. I I once played eight player Carcassonne and it went on forever, and I love Carcassonne, but even I was looking at Kayla, <laughs> going, much. no, no, <laughs> what have we gotten into? All right, what else you got here? Um, so I guess honorable mentions here briefly. I have Keyflower, um, <sighs> which I don't play enough, maybe because I'm bad at it, so I never suggest it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's similar. It's got a tableau building aspect. Where you yeah. add you add hexes to your own tableau and yeah. they become your action spaces, sort of, kind of. Except that other people can take the actions on your action spaces. And if they're malicious, they can just dump the max amount down right exactly. away. Exactly. If they're malicious, they can even play on your action spaces to prevent you from taking them. Yeah. But then the good news is that all of the workers they use to do so, you keep and you get <laughs> to play the next so round. This place is so great. I want to stay here. Yeah. And then there's there's bidding as well about over this. Keyflower is fantastic. It's, it's a really interesting game. A lot um, going on. A little confusing with the moving of things from tile to tile. For sure. That, it it, it can be, I think, quite fiddly, yeah. uh, which is rough. And then I also have Zolkin, which is a worker Ooh. placement, and it's got a, kind of a unique gear aspect. I thought you put Zolkin as your number one. Uh, I So I prefer to play Zolkin over Agricola and Caverna. Yeah. It's, it's kind of my favorite worker placement, but I think Agricola and Caverna definitely appeal to more people. I just want to point out that Zolkin and Feast for Odin are very similar insofar as that you have very, <laughs> there aren't many decisions, but they just get better yes. the further you go up. That's and actually, that's a good point. I think they're pretty close in that sense. Beyond that, there's not much similarity. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's true, though. It's skulls. true, though. It's really not as complicated as, as people can make it out to be, yeah. I guess, including myself. Zolkin's great, and it also looks pretty on a table. And I can't believe that there's a game where you move gears around. Yeah, it's got so. it's got interconnected gears, and when you rotate them one one of them, it rotates them all. It's yeah. great, tremendous game. And the little the components are outstanding with the little crystal skulls that you can accumulate oh, yeah, too. For sure. Uh, quick question before you move on from Zolkin: How often people go for technology in your games? Uh, so we're a pretty big mix, I think, because it really pays off to, um, like spread out your strategies i guess so we generally like we've played enough at one point that people recognize that there are dominant strategies in the game as in like a kind of like a big corn strategy big corn corn, i love big corn uh (laughs) and like a and like a heavy resource strategy and like a building strategy which was really focused on uh technologies Mm -hmm. so eh, it's it's mixed i guess okay so in Every game, well, at least one person always goes for it. All right. In, so. in the sense of, like, just grabbing one or two or, like, going, I'm taking them all the technology. Going, like, two, and then sometimes there's a monument which gives you points for technologies, at which point then you, you can just go for all of them. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. What's next? So, I guess in the, in the theme of tableau building, I have Wingspan, which when I was creating this list today, I 
only realized for the first time this is just an uh, a pure tableau builder i think the theme really threw me off because it's bird themed and there's been a lot of talk about wingspan but i think this is my favorite tableau building game i've ever played have you played race for galaxy yes i actually have race <laughs> and roll for the galaxy as my uh, as my runners up and i love those games but yeah i can't rank recommend wingspan enough it's just uh interesting yeah it's a great tableau builder all right cool uh for my Tableau Builder, it's kind of a crossover here. I've got Pax Pamir, which Harry got to have a taste of the yeah. other night. Um, Card-driven war game Tableau Builder. I think it is absolutely incredible. What As soon as you start playing it and you get a feel for what's going on, it, it you're, it's a sandbox. Everything's open. And what I love about the game is that you're engaged nearly the entire time because everything that happens is going to affect you in some way. So you're, you're paying attention to it. And also, it uh, and I think you had something for maybe Twilight Struggle with like this build stories in some way, or you kind of like want to talk to your friends yes, about this thing sure. happening. I think Pax Premier does that very, very well because of the sandbox, organic nature as alliances are formed and they shift, and, and they shift, and they scrapped, and uh, your friend who's been with you supporting the Brits the whole time suddenly buys a Russian card, and you look at him and go, "Uh oh, for sure, <laughs> things are going wrong." I played like seven turns of this game, yeah. and every successive turn just like blew my mind a little bit more. There's amazing. tons to it, and almost so much that it's paralyzing. I think if you really want to sit, sit down and you could probably math out your entire turn optimally for the most part, but at the same time, it is just tremendous the amount of decisions you can be taking. There's issues with suits. There's issues with the locations you're going to. For sure. Uh, does Harry have control over that? Now i got to pay him two bucks to play this thing, <laughs> and I don't have two dollars, and i got to make oh. Anyway, lots and lots of stuff there. Um, that was my That's my tableau builder, because that's what it is. You're putting cards in front of you for the most part. Yep. My runner-ups were... Uh, <laughs> it's funny, this is my tableau builder. I've got John Company, which Joel put as his favorite game as last year, which is I was blown away by him. I really liked it, but I, I want to play it more before I can even risk saying that. It was tremendous, For though. sure. I keep saying tremendous. Um, Root was my other game on this list as a runner-up because okay. I find it a war game and yep. kind of ad hoc alliances form, and people are trying to this natural ebb and flow of the game For and sure. create stories. I really and, like that. Um, Dune I had on here, too. I find it kind of similar to, again... Fighting over stuff, epic swings of fate and fortune, and uh, suddenly someone who was in the strongest position, you thought they are going to win, they're down and out of it. For sure, yeah. The, yeah. The, the underdog shows up. And then Splendor is just pure tableau builder. Oh, yeah. So pure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so pure. <laughs> um, I have, I have kind of some lighter games here to finish my, uh, my list off. So sure. uh, abstract strategy games, uh, which are definitely a little more accessible. I have Reef as my pick. I adore Reef. Like, the one thing I head. said about it is that it's the highest fun-to-complexity ratio. Like, the rules and components are so simple, but, yeah. like, you sit down and play this game, and it, like, hurts. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, it, there's it's so, so much difficult. going Because it's basically a, um, a 3D puzzle that you're exactly, building and trying yeah. to score on. How many times have you played it? Uh, Probably seven times, maybe. I think Let, I'm about there, too. Seven to ten, I would say. The um, I'm finding my strategy because I can't think far enough ahead and it hurts to do uh -huh. that is just finally like getting a card that's worth like tons of points and just building around that. So your whole board looks like <laughs> and just like scoring it for 30 points. Right, right. Just, I don't know. It works out for me usually. Yeah. Uh, mine was Azul kind of nice. like a uh, reef and Azul. I'd, I'd almost put in the same category of like, if you have to have two games of this type, here's Azul and here's reef and you'll play both of these for a long time down the road. For sure. I love Azul. Absolutely love it. And all, all my honorable <laughs> mentions are kind of like that. I have Splendor in here as well yeah. um, because it's quite similar, and also Sagrada. These are these games are all so similar. 
hmm. not not in terms of gameplay, but just kind of like in the like the weight, like complexity of the game, and like the the type of abstract strategy they are, and oh, that's, they're all good. I love them. Yeah, accessible, cute, and totally. The, plenty of good decisions to be made. Exactly, yeah. and they all have really, they all look really nice, I, yeah. I should mention. Impress people on the table. Yeah, totally. Um, I have I have a hidden role party game here, and this one, I have no runners up. Very that, contentious lie, choice. But, uh, <laughs> I know what this one is. Um, Secret Hitler as a hidden role party game. Unbelievable. I think it is the best hidden role game, hands down. You're crazy. You play no other hidden role this game was, This was... I, Harry and I were editing these lists in real time, and I'm seeing Secret Hitler on here. Yeah, it's yeah. just sticking out at me <laughs> like a Secret Hitler. Um, yeah, I, I just I love Secret Hitler. I feel like uh, a lot of people also like the Resistance, and I think that's good too. But, but why do you like Secret Hitler or Ravalon or Resistance? In my mind, it's a strict upgrade because I think <clears> that there is a lot more uh, uncertainty, but it's still balanced. Hmm. I think in the Resistance, you can have a lot more of the the players sitting down together and all agreeing on what the correct strategy is and then the people who deviate from the correct strategy you can then deduce that they are um i don't know the resistance or not the resistance Ah, (laughs) however the the resistance works people you don't want yeah Uh, whereas in secret hitler i feel like there's just a lot more you know like throwing crap around and like uh making baseless accusations and like one half of the the table agreeing that there is a correct strategy and the other half who are you know of mixed yeah. factions are disagreeing which i, I think which i really like it's, it's a cute game in that it's like when i played it, it's gone quickly and everyone seems to have a good time and that's all that you're looking for in that for sure it's exactly. got the same problem i had with dark moon and that there like you're saying though there's it's still got the correct thing to do so it's like if you should fix the shield generator you should pass this motion right for sure you didn't Come on, man. But in certain cases, I couldn't. I got three fascist motions. Yeah, I couldn't rough. do anything about that. And to me, that kind of takes away the element of like, I like people kind of like in the resistance or Avalon genre where it's like, no, they're, if they did it wrong, <laughs> there's an issue here. <laughs> yeah. And, and I like out. I like Serial Hitler maybe because I have had so many experiences with the resistance or Avalon where yep. um, we, we take too long. Like the game stalls because there's so much discussion about what the correct strategy Should is. Whereas Secret Hitler, it's just like, eh, let's just, let's see just what all like, yeah, see what happens. All right. We're running out of time. Let's go quick here. So honorable mention, I do actually have one. It's oh. One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Just because it's it's light. It's so fast. Aren't there upgrades to it? Like, um, Yeah, know. and I think there are. I mean, for all werewolf and mafia games, there's like a million upgrades and As, alterations. The problem is it's so. got player elimination and so one night ultimate werewolf doesn't really have player elimination which i which i really like about it because you just do a single night and then you just talk about what happened and see if oh, you can okay. figure it out oh okay so i've only played base werewolf <clears throat> yes yeah, so you've only played and i don't like base werewolf for that reason but in one night you only play one night but each player has a different action during the night like I'll swap your role with someone else's mm-hmm. but then on your turn in the night you will open your eyes and look at your role and then at the end of the night I'll be like oh but i swapped them so, so actually, you're this role, and then you'll be like, well, actually, I looked at my role, and that's not true. <laughs> and I, I just really like how little gameplay there is to, like, the amount of throwing around revelations and, like, stuff like I'll that. I'll let you run this sometime, because I've never, I guess I've <clears throat> yeah, never yeah, played this. Yeah, we should. It'd be really fun. All right. And then my last one, real quick, a word game. I played a lot of word games. I'm fascinated by word games. Um, I don't think you have any on your list, but I, I love Decrypto. As my great things, and it like came out last year or maybe 2018, yeah. and for me, it's just the perfect amount of complexity. <clears throat> it's not too simple. It's got enough complexity that it lends just an incredible amount of fun. 
I've wanted to play it. So that's something else. So get a, a Ultimate Werewolf into Crypto, and we can do a yeah, party game. Yeah, totally. Uh, an expansion for Decrypto came out, too. Something like a Laserdisc or whatever. Because <laughs> it's got this 80s sort of uh, yeah, tech theme, doesn't it? for sure. It? Yep. Or early 90s. Uh, anything else on your list? Uh, no, that's it. Oh, okay. I, when, when did I... I, I got some... I got some... Uh, I also really wanted to mention code names, I guess. Yeah. Very similar to Decrypto for that reason. Like, it's also a word game, um, and it also has a pretty similar complexity. Bananagrams, which... Everyone knows about Bananagrams. It's like so light. It comes in a banana-shaped bag. It's cute. It's got Scrabble tiles. How can you not like it? And mm. then, hot take, Scrabble. I love Scrabble. I'll play Scrabble. I'd rather not, but I'll play <laughs> it. Um, all right, cool. I'm just going to quickly run down the stuff I've got here. Concordia, I honestly believe, is an essential game. True. And everyone should have a copy of this. Some of the stuff on here, I'm not saying you have to have a copy of it, but Concordia is an easy one. Um, Food Chain Magnet. I think this is a game that opened my eyes when we when I played it the first time. I just couldn't understand. I couldn't believe a game this good had been made, and just my mind instantly exploded when I started to see it, when it made sense to me. It is so mean and really good digital. Yeah, that's right. Amazing digital. I wish it was an official like. If I played this on Steam, it'd be incredible. As opposed yeah. to the kind of jank, whatever. Um, Runner up for Super Food Chain is Container in 1830. Concordia's was Istanbul. My last one is Advanced Civ, Mega Civ, Western Empires. Long games, play it once, and then understand what we're talking about. But that's my list. Come play it at Gen Con 2020. Gen Con, yeah, or uh, GriffCon 2022. <laughs> yeah, or GriffCon 2020. Anyway, thank you for listening. I'm Jack. I'm Harry. Keep your eyes open on CFRU. <laughs>